you know, it makes me so excited every time we get to like be together and stuff. I'm like, yes, we doing grown ass women stuff today. Mm. And it's bright outside. We have never done grown ass women in the daytime. Normally it's in the evening when we got a glass of wine, but I think y'all already got glasses. <laughs> I'm still We're working on tea. So <laughs> anyways, <laughs> hey y'all. Hey. <laughs> so did y'all see the message it was so cool um d said that she has sent grown ass women to one of her homies and he was like okay i could see it i see what y'all doing over there but he said we need to uh, be more considerate of the audience so we're gonna do that today too okay we're gonna be considerate of the audience we has the audience been defined girl whoever listening but oh, i like the okay. fact that he felt like he was eavesdropping a little bit because that you know that feels a little bit yeah, more that's exciting that's us just you know vibing out and no we haven't defined who the audience i guess it's whoever's listening it's yeah i like that the, the other grown-ass people out there or maybe the, the young people trying to be grown-ass i don't a little know a little bit of both a little bit of both <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit pink moscato at their parents Oh, oh we, you should have. Yeah, we're gonna find some white Zinfandel for the no, we ain't finding no white Zinfandel. I don't even know if they make those grapes anymore. Those grapes, like, we ain't finding no white grapes in the box or the bag. One of the two. Oh, there is the box. We could do that. We could That's do tough. that. That's but really do we awesome. really want to compromise our livers no. uh, no. and our esophagus? It's a we problem. Have, we got at least a good 40 more years ahead of us. I just don't know if it's worth the burn of the throat. You could do a photo shoot on top of a wine box of white <laughs> talk about grown grown. Yeah, I can't, yeah, I don't know. But I'm glad y'all have y'all wine. I'm still working on my tea. So I'll probably be amped up while y'all chilling out. So y'all just tell me like, mm -hmm. Linnell, you doing too much. Bring it down a little bit. I'll bring it down a little bit. Not that that has ever worked, but y'all do be telling me I be doing too much. <laughs> so we got a couple topics we're gonna be talking about today. Religion in love and life, honey, religion. Oh, Jay, that's good too, because I think in the last grown ass woman, we were talking about um, what it means for you growing up as a PK, right? I think we had talked on that a little bit, being in the church. Mm -hmm. um, colorism and what that means to you. Y'all who are listening in, we had to have a pre-talk before we even had this talk because we was like, is everybody going to be okay? Because this still be triggering. You know what I'm saying? Be like this. Mm, I don't know. Because you know how you you sometimes you describe people. You be like, you know that light skin one over there or that brown skin one over there or that dark one over there. Mm -hmm. I still got trauma from the 80s when they was calling me an African booty scratcher. Y'all remember how derogatory that was? So derogatory. Now I be trying to be African. I'd be like, I'm African. My kids be like, sit your black American behind down. <laughs> you, you are from California. Stop with the jokes. Um, and then the last one, Jesus protecting black women right on the heels of Will Smith and Jada and uh, Chris Rock. Who? Mm, yeah. We gonna end with that because I have. <laughs> mm, what do you say, D? The slap heard heard across the world. Yeah, and felt by those two, honey. Yes. So let's start off with um religion and love. I guess even before that, we should 
say our names and stuff again for people who are, yeah, that's important, right? I'm just making assumptions that everybody knows who we are. So let's go ahead and start. Nick, you want to go first? I am Nikki Wood. <laughs> <laughs> I say that with pride. I have always wanted to be Nikki Wood. I am Nikki Wood. <laughs> okay. D. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, sorry, Jay. Okay, I'm Janai. Janai Morse Call. <laughs> oh, you sound real. You sound like the um, old elegant ladies from back in the day. I am Janai Morse Call. Okay, come on with the sip of the uh, white Zinfandel. Right. <laughs> with the shriveled grapes. My parents, <laughs> hey, y'all. What my parents had at the house. It was either this pizza. And so I chose. Uh -uh, don't be throwing your parents under the bus no more. <laughs> and Dean. I am Dina Kennedy. <laughs> Has a birthday coming up real soon. I would sing for you, but that's not good. We'll leave that to Janai because I don't need to be busting out nobody eardrums with my off tune. <laughs> singing and dances so jay you got to sing a tune at the end for click get ready get get oh. ready okay <laughs> Let's on start. The church, well, look. <laughs> let's start religion in love and life nick i think you brought that up tell me what you were thinking about that that uh in that moment when you were like let's talk about religion let's talk about what that means in love and life and love and life. So I was thinking about a lot of things in that moment, like, ooh, what's what's relevant? What's pushing right now? Right. Like, so initially I was thinking about how that appears in your like love relationships, right? Whether that's marriage or family, and how, depending upon um coming from a Christian background or Baptist background, the whole hierarchy of it's supposed to be God, if you're married, spouse then kids then you right and and how how does that work having been married twice that order doesn't work right because the reality of it is is that if if i'm not right how is everything else going to be right right and so I've, I've actually talked to some very religious people about this and they're like well at least if you're from their perspective relationship with god or your spirituality let's say that your spirituality no matter what you believe in if your spirituality is right then you can kind of they're saying you'll already be right so you put that first and then you're already right for those other relationships but i go back to the analogy of if i'm on a ship and it gets blown up or whatever and i'm on this little plank like titanic and i got my spouse and my child who is not of age and has not lived the life i live my child's not going to be the option one of us got to go. And I don't know, depending upon how I feel about you that day, <laughs> it's not going to be my child. But according to the, the Baptist or Christian faith and, and possibly some others, your spouse wants to come first. So how do you how do you leverage that? So yeah, my, well, hopefully my, we married a spouse who believe the same thing because so I could just stay on that plank, right? So they're going to choose me. I'm gonna choose them. And because they first, I'm gonna defer to what they said, which means I'm gonna be on that plank with my kid. <laughs> we, how Thank about you for we the sacrifice. <laughs> how about we take turns treading water? We shouldn't have got on this ship till all y'all can swim. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Found the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> 
What yeah. are y'all thoughts on it? Because I think all of us um, grew up in the church and um, my experience with the church was, you know, after my mom got, tried to get her life together, child, I don't know, I don't think it's together now, but you know, she had, she had her things, right? And afterwards, we got really invested in church and religion, which worked well for me because I think I already had a spiritual relationship with God as a kid before we were formally introduced to church in that way. My great my great grandfather was a preacher. We called him Preacher Daddy. So there would definitely be times where I would go to church with him and my um, my great grandmother, who we called Big Mama. But we didn't get into church until my mom got sober. Uh, and then when I went to go live with my dad, my dad wasn't really into church. So I used to go to church by myself as a teenager. Like I would be waking myself up, getting myself to church, asking my dad to take me to church and he would go to the gym. And then when the church was over, he'd come pick me up and it was a whole, a whole thing. And then of course, as a young adult, I was uh, in church a lot, like heavily in church. So I definitely know that indoctrination, um, Nikki. I, I, I don't necessarily believe that's one of the things that I ascribe to though. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that, I think that if we all have our own individual relationships with God, then neither one of us have to be participating in a hierarchical kind of situation. Um, but recognizing that there's going to be times when I may be on top and, and my partner may, um, not have the focus and then there'd be times where my partner is on top and I am in the supportive role and that comes in all decision making processes so if we're talking about a car or we're talking about the children or we're talking about something else it's really a matter of uh, who has more experience and who has a clearer um understanding and who's been praying about the situation a bit more too and that's how we kind of move so i don't believe in hierarchical but when i was dating men they definitely believed in the hierarchical position and i was like mm, maybe that was a reinforcer of how it just wasn't gonna work for me because i didn't want to fight on um, i was like you you not even doing everything right <laughs> but we don't even have to go that's another grown-ass woman maybe for the nighttime. i don't like you ain't Boy, if you don't, you know what, go ahead, Dean tonight, because I'm going to get myself in trouble right now. <laughs> you, you know, I, I partially agree with you on the hierarchy. I will tell you the best piece of advice I've ever heard on that. As a Christian woman who is unmarried with no children, um, my pastor's wife once said that the man is the head of the household, but the woman is the neck. The neck turns the head. I thought that was a beautiful representation of, of the Christian uh, hierarchy, if you will, um, as the wife is the influencer, is that, you know, even if the husband is thinking one thing and trying to act a different way, the wife is in a position where she can be like, well, no, um, this is not right, or I have more experience here, or this is the way to go. And the, you know, the husband changes the path according to that. Now, grew up in church, Definitely Pentecostal, Kojic. Oh, I'm sorry, guys, I did call y'all out, but uh, that, that, that was my life. Um, I have to say that as an adult, I am more spiritual than like religious, like you guys were saying earlier and being led by, by the spirit and the spirit that, you know, that speaks to me and that guides me. 
So a lot of those uh, denominational or religious kind of things that people lay out, I leave them up to interpretation of my spirit mm-hmm. um, and making sure that I have that relationship with God and that God is speaking to me and that I'm hearing from him. So those are my comments. Yeah, absolutely. Be- because the thing is, is I do think that spirituality has a major role in relationships, mm-hmm. the formation of the relationship, the sustainability of the relationship. And even if there needs to be a termination of the relationship, I do think mm-hmm. that those are conversations to be had with God, because I think the people that are in our life um, is not by happenstance. I think that, you know, oh, they're that God and their ancestors and their spiritual guides brought them to us and we were brought to them. And for whatever that reason and purpose is, and sometimes we need to seek wisdom outside of ourselves to find out why we're in a particular situation with somebody. And if it's us that's causing the conflict or if it's them that's causing a conflict and even how we you know, resolve certain things. So I think that spirituality has to be in the religion or in the relationship I don't know about religion per se, but go ahead, Jay. Right. Oh, sorry, Dean. Sorry. Mm-mm, mm-mm, go, Jay. <laughs> you all know that I'm a PK. My my dad's a preacher, um, and I really think that religion is just a means for control. I think it's just a way to another way to govern people. Um, and of course, I, I grew up, you know, in the church and I thoroughly enjoyed church. I, I had a great time. You know, I met some good people. Some of my greatest friends are from church, you know, did all the youth group stuff and the choirs and trips and this and that, whatever. Youth group, youth group president, all, you know, <laughs> I could get, I was, um, at some point it became, you know, something that I wanted. Um, but that's just what you're born into. And so as I got older, um, I always said, you know, I'm going to go out and figure out what this means, what this actually means and what I want to do um, and how I'm going to do it. My parents never really forced me to do anything. They never said, you better stay over here. Um, so I, I agree with you all um, regarding the spiritual, the spiritual part of it. I think that as long as you believe in something, mm-hmm. um, then you'll be okay. I think um, a lot of folks oh, teeter-tottering on these on these lines of, of what they believe in or or who they believe in or what it means to them. Um, you know, a lot of times when I speak to people because I don't know what's going on with them um, spiritually, I just say the universe. You know, I, I hope the universe, you know, does this for you or, you know, ask the ancestors for what you want. Um, and as long as you're talking and believe in something, um, then then I'm happy for you. I don't I don't judge. I don't feel any type of way. Um, I don't even feel a way about church folks. I know a lot of people say, "Oh, church folks are the worst people," and you know, everybody everybody got some shit. So well, absolutely, I, I'm, I don't subscribe to that. Um, what I do like about church is the aspect of community and that people have somewhere to go and, and people to talk to and someone to love them when there's nothing or no one else seemingly. Um, so I think it's a role, but if that's what, if that's what makes the world go round for you, if that's what gets you through the day, then be religious. 
Mm -hmm. yeah. it's I'm like Presbyterian and they're all the same to me. The difference in the denominations is just how they do. <laughs> right. um, so, you know, whatever you like, big better at the Baptist church. Praise them. <laughs> it's but, it's uh, a spirituality versus re institutional religion, right? Like, how could you be religious without being spiritual? It's like the foundation. Nah, nah, Nick. I, nah, nah. People, people be mad religious and they got a single bit of spirit in them. You be like, saying. where then is God? Religious. Then they're not religious. Then what they're doing is following instructions. But they're which not. is what religion is. Right. Religion. It, I mean, but but honestly, if it, it so because of going, I had I was forced to go to a religious private school for many, many, many years, right? But my household was we don't need to go to church, is right or wrong, right? And that's more about spirituality. So for me, what I saw kind of growing up was, you know, it the people that were religious and how you define what being religious is and following the doctrine, following to your point, the instructions were spiritual people, but the other ones weren't. To me, they were just following the words, but they weren't really spiritual. So for me, there was a separation between the two. Like I see your point, it is, right? You can't be religious and not follow what your religion outlines as how you should be living your life, right? But there has to be something inside where it's not just you following these steps versus you believing in it and really like manifesting that. That's spirituality to me, like to manifest those instructions so that it really does like you that there's no fake in it. It's what it, it's it's who you are, right? Like you have to be spiritual to really, truly be a really honestly religious person, not ones to Janai's point where you talk about, oh my gosh, the church people, the church folks, because they don't manifest what they talk about on Sunday or in Bible studies. They live in two separate lives versus showing up in a spiritual way 100% of the time, so. So the yeah. church, they're just there, they're just there for a good time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, um, I was thinking about that the other day because there's parts of, there's parts of church and I'm aligning church with religion because of my roots in, you know, Christian religion, right? And and where we worship is church. But this could apply to I think anybody and their religious and their faith. But I do I do miss church. You know, I do miss um the rituals that come with church. I miss, you know, being in a congregation and everybody is praying, right? And there's like this unified yeah. prayer and the chills that come over my body when I realize that if not 100%, you know, 75 or 50% of the people are focused on the same thing in that moment, that unity. There she go with the white ziff. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and then and then I miss the songs, right? There's still songs. Oh. I don't know if you guys are watching Bel Air, but they had um, Carlton singing one of my absolute favorite songs. Um, he, he saw the best in me. That song makes me cry every single time. You know, I think I think about the lowest times in my life where God still saw me, where I felt like I was rejected and abandoned by everybody. So I definitely love and appreciate what comes with the purity of the design of the Christian religion. You know, thinking about what God, what Jesus was creating at that time. And I love that. It's the other stuff that gets a little bit 
convoluted. It's the interpretations um, that right. are not always spiritually led. It's the, the, right. the, the, that church is supposed to be the safe space, but people talking about you behind your back. And that's a reflection of regular community and, and life. But, you know, if I'm going someplace seeking security and I'm, and I'm being forced with something else, it makes it a little hard. So, but I do miss, I do miss church, you know, and, um, uh, a lot. And there's many moments where I'm grieving that I'm not as active in a church and I just haven't, decided what to do with that yet you know I end up going to my altar and spending more time down there with God and my ancestors and in community with those who've come before me and still guide me um and so I do think that spiritual spirituality has a role in both love and life and still not sure if religion does I miss it for the rituals I miss it for some other things so yeah the music is the music is all every time I go to church it's the music mm-hmm it's not the pastor, the preacher, the minister, what the reverend, whatever you want. To, it's not, it's never what they're saying. It's always the music. Mm-hmm. You it, know, there's, it's, it, I mean, it's the music. I do, I do love hearing the word and not, and, and I don't know necessarily if it's, I think it's the interpretation of the scripture, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Whether it's right or wrong, of course, you, you're believing the, the the person who's given the message, mm-hmm. regardless, mm-hmm. no matter, you know, some form or whatever it is. And so when when the pastor, like my dad, can speak <laughs> <laughs> life to to what's being said in the scripture, can interpret it in such a way that that you actually understand um, to that that's everything to me and you know my my dad watches a lot of tv you know he he can tell you about every show every mm. social everything more than but he said he he's into this stuff because it helps him relate to people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um you know and I, and I totally get it like you you gotta you gotta know what's going on and what's driving people's thoughts and and you know what what are people doing mm-hmm. and so much sense and so i love to hear the word um if if you if there's a word because you know you go to church sometimes and they'd be like sometimes it's not a word exactly <laughs> <laughs> he ain't cracked no verse nothing <laughs> you know what that's making me think about i'm glad you brought that up jay because i totally had disconnected in this moment but i do listen to sermons quite a few times a week i um uh, i follow good stuff yeah i follow rick stuff. warner and i love i love his um he's more of a teacher to me but i love the things that he has to say and he's so culturally competent too girl i was worried i was like this Mm-hmm. This white man gonna teach me right now, and that's no disrespect <laughs> to the white preachers, because I used to love Joel Osteen until that stuff happened, and he started locking people out of his church. Um, wow. But, <laughs> but I wow. you, that's a great point, Jay. I, like I do, family. I do love the sermons too. I do, I do love this, and I think I didn't think about it that way because I still get filled that way by listening to, at the very least. Joel Osteen, or excuse me, Rick Warner. Oh, not Joel. Joel, we had yeah. Joel, we had to put you on the back burner. Rick. But That's go Pastor ahead. Rick, the ones you send, the Pastor Rick ones. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So you're right. So I, I, I will have to say, I like them when they're relevant. Yeah. 
But that's the thing. I've always looked at the word and the word given by the preacher, not his interpretation, but how the spirit leads you to interpret it as it applies to your life and your situation. I could, me and my dad, um, again, big church goers, we would go to church, we would come home and then we would talk about it. And he would say, you know, what was the sermon about Dina? And I would give him my interpretation and how it applied to my life. And he might've gotten something totally different, but the way that the word hit me in my situation and then filtered through my spirit and what God is telling me at the particular time could be something totally different than what was meant for Nikki or Janai or Linnell. Um, And that's, to me, the beautiful thing about the word with the spirit in spirit is that it is applicable to everyone. You, you can't, Dina, again, I don't think it, it is effective <laughs> to <laughs> listen to the interpretation of other people because their, their lives are different. They're situated different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that to me is the difference between the, the spirit and religion. Yeah, I receive that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Y'all ready to jump into some colorism? Yep. Yeah. Interpretation was a good jump. Into- oh my God. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was I like, oh, that word is a good jump. Said into into my mouth. <laughs> you know what, Dean? Guess what? Then I'm starting with you, right? Because I'm starting with you. I do want to know how do y'all describe y'all skin though? What, what words do you use? Man, and Ayana is not even here right now. Bless her heart. She out there being a boss and having the correct behaviors for adults, right? So shout out to Ayana, who will be um, finishing up her doctoral studies in just a few months. So freaking proud of her. So at some point, I'm we're going to start referring to her maybe for a whole year as just Dr. Malone. Let her get comfortable <laughs> with it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's awesome. Um, but... And I mentioned Ayana because she's always so good at describing people's skin colors and associating it with um, with food. She'd be like, you know, he was a dark he or he he looked like Nutella. You know, he was over there <laughs> looking like uh, burnt he butter. Does. And I'd be like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> what is a burnt butter? <laughs> but the image shows up and I'll be like, oh, I know exactly what that skin color was. Um but how do you guys describe your skin colors? And then after that, I want to I want to hear from D because she's so like nah. So I want to know what the I want to know the deal, baby. What's y'all skin color? I would describe myself as a caramelized brown sugar. Mm. It gets browner in the summer. I'm a little on the light side because <laughs> it's April. <laughs> and Nikki and Jay. It's funny that you said you like though, D, <laughs> but I get what you say. Oh, I check, looked at my- check grown ass women out in July. It's gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be burnt butter in July. Um, <laughs> no, I honestly, I, I don't. Um, I know that I'm fair, but I don't because people for so long have tried to tell me what complexion I am. So I, huh. I never, I have never... I'll just say I'm light skinned. Like, I, if I have to really be specific, I'll say I'm really light skinned, but that's it. Just <laughs> because I'll go. Like, right. I don't know. Pick a food, Nick. If I, because that, that makes me sad. I don't want to pick a food. No, no food. Food. I got to pick a food that is representative of a group of people that, that I don't see as being a feel good people. If I had to pick a food that's like my complexion. So, again, mm-hmm. I've had 
fashion issues since I had social norm issues. So mm. and I've never, um, I, I typically, and why I recommended it for the group is, is colorism is because I typically steer very far away about talking about complexion. Very, mm. I see it. I don't see the shades in between brown skin and dark skin and light skin. Like how I define people as far as brown skin, people be like, they're not brown skin, they dark brown or they're light brown. I'm like, they're brown skin. So because it's been so, um, I've had so many experiences of red, yellow, white girl, light skin, red bone, high yellow. It was so prevalent that it was just like, you know what's funny? What light skin privilege was actually introduced to me by this group, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Wow. And, I, yep. I didn't meet you all until 2018, mm -hmm. but that concept and, and it, and I had to sit on it for a while. Cause I was like, damn that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we all have our experiences with our complexions around other races, but to me, I saw be, just being kind of focused on your own life growing up when you walk in a room, it's, um, I'm too light to be black enough, but I'm, too black to be white, right? So it was uh -huh. this middle, okay. And, and you know, Mimi, my, my best friend, for those that don't know us, we talk about it all the time because she's very fair as well, where it's like, well, I'm not dark enough to be dark. So if I, if I try to be Afrocentric, am I doing too much? Like, girl, you're almost white, which I've run into in the past, where if I'm in corporate America with white people, I'm still black because I'm not white enough to be white for them. So that's why I, I typically try to steer away from it if, if I can. Um, mm. Because if I had to pick a food, it would probably be some sort of butter vanilla icing. And the fact that I have to use vanilla in there is not something that makes me feel good, right? It is who I am. And I'm not, I'm not a, um, running from my ancestors because I understand who they are. And none of them going back to the great greats live lives that I'm aware of um, that is something that I would be ashamed of, right? But obviously there were those before them and then coming out this fair, I lied to you not. When I was in high school, I was like, oh, I'm gonna have a kid with somebody that's brown skin because I don't want my child to be light-skinned. Mm -hmm. Real thing. I don't want my child to be light-skinned because I don't want them to have to go through the, the you're not black enough, but you're not white. And so your baby, do you consider her light skin? She's brown skin to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's she's Jordan. I kind of call her like this little um um little tropical looking Hawaiian Moana <laughs> But Jordan has a lot in her. Remember her her grand her great grandmother's Japanese, like you know, so she her father is brown skin, but has you know a, a um a non traditional hair texture that's that's more like my mother who my mother is only like 38 percent black so it's it's all across the board like we're a little i hate to say much but that's kind of how it is we're, we just have a whole lot going on the grandparent level that just created these interesting looking things <laughs> And what's also interesting about that is that your mom, while being 38% Black, identifies as Black. Um, and when, and as a Black person, I wouldn't question her at, I would be like, yes, of course, you know, you're Black. 
Um, but it, it's also interesting how we define ourselves in those ways. Jay, how do you describe your color? I was trying to remember what I wrote in a chat one day. It was good. And it I just, good. Good. <laughs> I'm going to find you. <laughs> I might have to go do a search in the chat. Um, but on the spot, I mean, I, I would say, so, I mean, I, sometimes I say I'm brown skin. Sometimes I say I'm dark skin. I think most times I call myself dark skin. Um, and, and I love, I love my complexion. I actually had just had this conversation with my wife the other day. And I don't know how it came up, but I was telling her, you know, back when when dark skin wasn't popular, the eighties um, and nineties, and any time between before then, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I just remember remember being like, you know, I I wish I was light skin. I remember saying I wish I was some other things, but but not light skin. I've always been okay with my complexion. I love the way that I look in the summer, um, and. I, I know I always said I love being dark skinned because it hides your blemishes. <laughs> <laughs> but if I have to pick a food. Um, it's, it's your, uh, what you put in the I chat know. if you want me to read it. Oh, what you found it, Dee? Mm -hmm. You found the chat? Yes. I am dark chocolate with cinnamon notes, inspired tresses to the shoulder, giving midday NYC in a long coat baggy realness and Chelsea booted. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I think the context that that day we were describing what we looked like, that was from your job, right, D? Yeah, I was in a DNI um webinar one day in this beautiful woman came up and she described her complexion giving all this food and it was just so inspiring i jumped on the chat and i was like ladies this just happened to me and it it was just everything i loved it what did i say I uh let me see it was probably you just said i am mahogany brown woman with longish coiled hair wrapped in the essence of my ancestors and styled in lots that represent my personal values. I wear spectacles for the need and art, but ultimately to increase all aspects, aspects of literal and figurative vision. Today, I am in orange shirt while I prepare to harvest the crops of my personal and professional investments. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, let me find out. Yeah. That okay. sounds like my nerdy ass. <laughs> and Ayana, for those who did not know, she said, I am a salted caramel latte with witchcraft hair and dimples that dance with delight and mischief. Especially when she starts off with the witchcraft. I was like, of course, right? Like that is <laughs> the mischief. It was the mischief for me. <laughs> That's her too. Our Scorpio. My God. I love her. I um I think that's the description of myself. I don't know if I compare myself to food um often, but I do see myself as mahogany, which is why my Instagram is mahogany, which is why the candle that's burning in my office right now says mahogany. Um and that also to me connects to that wood and i'm an earthy person right like uh my earth sign is very clear so that's how i kind of see myself 
Um, this is the lightest that I've, me and Megs were talking about it recently. This is the lightest that I think I've been in a long time, just because we normally vacation in the winter time too. So because we did a vacation last winter, I don't carry that, the extra, um, melanin with me. My, and I describe myself generally as dark skin. Um, some people will call me brown skin and I consider myself dark and, uh, and I like that. I like I like what that means for me and the power that it has for me. I like the fact that many of my ancestors, from their perspective, from what I think their perspective was, you know, they were rejected because of it and I get to celebrate it. Right. And so I feel like I get to carry a torch that they didn't. I get I get to create a torch or light a torch of something that they created but didn't get to have pride in. Um, but it was interesting because I think we saw what was the Harriet Tubman movie that came out a couple years ago? Was it just called Harriet? Harriet. I think it was called Harriet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I and we watched it and me and Nick were talking about it afterwards because I was like, yeah, my people were out in the fields. And I think with banter and we could talk about that, too. I think in friend groups there there becomes a light banter around skin color, although Funny that I'm thinking about it now. I never hear my light skin friends say anything about my skin color, but I say things about, oh, I'm wrong. Ooh, <laughs> oh, I'm feeling it right now. Cause I think I said something like, I, I would be out at my people out in the field. And Nick, you said, well, my people would be in the house, but they'd be the ones poisoning massa. <laughs> <laughs> she was like and i was like yeah we all had our role we all had our role right but it was in that moment where i understood how being light light skin could also be helpful for the movement right because oftentimes the image of the movement is black people like dark skin people rather excuse me and white people who were allies right you don't rarely see light skin people as part of the movement but it was a powerful point. But so D D put herself off the video for a minute because she probably knew I was coming for her to ask her what her <laughs> thoughts were. But tell me, Nick, tell me a little bit about why this one showed up for you today and you wanted to you wanted us to kind of talk about it as grown ass women. Um, well, it was more of a I think colorism always shows up, right? It's a matter of whether it's consciously showing up or subconsciously showing up. It was actually um, an experience you mentioned recently when we worked out that had it on my mind right mm. and how people see us your wisconsin experience oh and, yeah and just how people um see us and so that's what made me have colorism it had been on my mind like you know wow not just how we see ourselves but how other people see us as well you know if i was going for an interview and there was a another woman in there that looked the same, shaped the same, talked the same, but was a darker complexion, but it was a white company or white, you know, job, they would probably feel more comfortable with me than they would with her, right? So it, it just, you know, then I thought about if that were me in these other positions and experiences that some of us had, would I have received the same treatment? Now, maybe because my, you know, my hair being shaved off, maybe, but if not, or if that was not noticeable because that's more of an ethnic hairstyle, then I probably wouldn't have, you know, I might've got the same question of, you know, what are you doing? But 
I probably wouldn't have. So, you know, that, so that had just kind of been on my mind when I was thinking about things for us to talk about, you know, colorism, not just what we see, but what other people see as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a, I have a, a topic within the topic to bust open maybe and I, and I believe this is colorism. Bust it wide open. Oh, right, no, I was thinking the same that thing. That's my Pandora station. It's called Bust It Wide Open. Y'all mm -hmm. could judge me if you want to. I don't care, but I... Mine's okay. high girl Judged. Because <laughs> I'm a nan. Because I'm a nan. 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 <laughs> go ahead, Jay. Bust it wide open. Tell them bring it back. Oh, go ahead. Bust it wide open. Go so, ahead. And now... Y'all, y'all stop me if this is not colorism, and then this could be a different topic for a different day. In the lesbian community, and I probably will lose some friends over this. When, when we, when we start trying to have kids. Oh shit! Hold on! Hold on! Can I say what I was going to say first? Why you, yeah, because Jay. <laughs> I know where you're going, Jay. We've talked about okay. this, I think, offline. Okay, maybe another time, another time. Maybe after some, some whiskey. Or you could say it and maybe we process it in the... Girl, you that's risky. That's risky because you know the lesbians, they be out there now. They Okay, stand go by. Ahead. Go ahead, culture is not just y'all. It's not just y'all. <laughs> I have caveats to that story on the uh, the the straight eight side, okay. Um, but what I was gonna say is, I was raised in a family that um, is not uh, a proudly, expressively Afrocentric, um, and I can remember being young, and my aunt, who was a hairstylist, who I love dearly, she favored someone who was the opposite of me, you know. She was, she was more like Nikki, you know, and it was about the hair and it was about the body shape and it was about, you know, just she was cute and everything because she had this little petite body and all this curly hair. And it really changed the way I looked at my lighter skin sisters. And I will, I'll say that on camera right now, Nikki, you are probably one of the first lighter skinned sisters that I ain't been looking at like and she thinks she's better than me and that's because we have a relationship and I've heard how your uh, how you were raised and how it made you feel and I never looked at it from that perspective because we're 80s babies right mm -hmm. the 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 media portrayed darker skinned women as not as good. If you go back to 80s videos, you won't see a dark skinned woman in sight. You, you, you're pressed to see a light skinned black woman. Right? Well, if you do, you oh, only man. see her from the back. If you do, you only see her from the back. And, hey, ma! Uh, <laughs> you only see her from the back be, um, and they're showing like her rump, right? Like rump shaker. Right. <laughs> Right, right, right. But I mean, if you go back further than that, I mean, we're just not, not even in the picture. So that had a lot to do with how I perceived myself. Now, on the flip side, I also come from a family who is uh, 
in kind words, a little bougie. We thought we was better than everybody, right? So we have this like uppity presence, but it's not because we are dark skinned and beautiful and that we love ourselves. It's because we're smart and we're articulate and we're this and we're that. It's all about the mind, right? And not about what you look like. And I feel like as I was being raised, I was always kind of presented to kind of or raised to kind of advocate what was in my head versus what I looked like. So as a young adult, you know, when Black was in style, you started getting all this attention and you don't know what to do with it. It left me as a as an older adult in conflict with my feelings about people of different shades and different ethnicities and how really it boils down to how they felt about me because I had this self-deception of what they were thinking about me because of media. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, I relate to that 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Even questioning myself, I was talking with my son earlier and I told Nick while we were logging in that my son who looks very much like me, you guys know, um, and looks absolutely 100% like my dad. We were listening to that Cardi B song where she said, and they used to say I was ugly, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I should be a rapper on the side, by the way. But no, no. Anything past the two-step would kill you. Our June, a grown-ass woman is going to talk about what happens when your friends deflate your dreams. Okay. So. <laughs> Oh, we were being transparent. Deferred. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm glad, yeah. And he was like, and I and I told him like when I was growing up, I 100 percent thought I was ugly. Like 100 percent And he felt so sad for me. And and I was talking about, you know, my acne and my, you know, no matter how thin I was, and even now, y'all know, no matter how thin I get, my belly is disproportionate to, to my breast. These breasts are just small little things. And this belly is just, you know what? All y'all, y'all know what the hell I'm talking about. You could cut. Okay, that's not the point. Okay, anyway. So I thought I was ugly and my skin complexion has something to do with that too, because it was also the 80s and 90s and all the little, um, and I, all the little boys and girls, it wasn't a whole bunch of open lesbians when I was growing up, but always preferred light-skinned people and I was like well what does that mean for me and yes to this point I was always encouraged to be um super smart and to challenge myself and my intellect and so I always felt good in or those ways but was not a pretty girl no that wasn't the description of me I, it was also the 80s and 90s where we was perming our hair all the time and the new growth yeah oh y'all don't know yeah, okay, y'all being <laughs> brand new. You know oh, when a new growth ne- okay. okay. Uh huh. What'd you say? I even got relaxes back then. You mm-hmm. got relaxed. See that you see my ignorance just exposed itself. You see? Man. Don't let a good Man. flat eye fool you. Let this thing grow. You can wave patterns coming. Don't let it grow out. No, I used to get relaxers. I didn't stop until like 2016. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we talk about it historically, we understand how skin complexion um, ravishes through our community as Black people, but it's also in so many other communities be, because of colonization. Oh, yeah. the, the folks in the country of India, so though true Indians, not what we be calling Native Americans, but true Indians, mm-hmm. their 
colorism is horrible. Even folks who are all homogeneously, relatively the same complexion, like people in Japan or in Korea, the skin lightening creams that they have. And Chow, have y'all seen Young, Rich, and African on Netflix? Mm -hmm. uh -uh, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, the bleaching is so apparent. Like it's one brown skin girl on there and everybody else you could tell that they were born brown, but they have been bleaching themselves, like darker brown. They've been bleaching. It's it's everywhere. It's it's yeah. everywhere. And it you know when I was overseas one time, um I was in I was in Kuwait and they a lot of them are my complexion. And um I'm walking wow. by and they're like, ah. Oh, a nigga, a nigga. <laughs> oh. and, I and so I said, you a nigga too. <laughs> wow. That, 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 you know, Nan. Nan. It, 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 it caught me off guard. It caught me off guard because I don't think I've ever really experienced um, like in your face racism. It, 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 that wasn't even racism. I actually think curiosity, that was- Like they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't know. They just heard it, and they're trying to relate. They're like, you know, and now they're trying to sell us stuff. Mm, like, like a shout out, you, you know. Well, it, they, they think it's a, it's a term of in, it, it is a term of endearment yeah, with each other, you know. So yeah. they were just kind of latching on, but it caught me off guard. So I responded with, "You a nigga?" Like, and I bet it, you laughed just like that, did you? I, I did. I did because I I wasn't offended. I right. was caught off guard, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, that I just remember that's that. the that beauty about who you are, though, because in that moment you laughed and, and threw it right back. That's one of the things I really love about you. Like, yeah, because <laughs> my ass would have probably been like, who the fuck you talking to? Right. <laughs> like, let's go. Right. And it, and you would have been like, Linnell, they're joking. And I'd have been like, oh, like you wear, you wear the same shade foundation that I do, honey. <laughs> and that was to the man. That was man. See, that's interesting, because when I've been out there anyway. for work, it's pe I actually feel less clear when I was younger going out the country because they're like, when you, you know, whether you go to, I had worked in Sweden for a little while and they're all super white. They're either super white or not. And it's like, oh, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously. I, I when, when my parents would take, being with my dad, who's, I consider him a, a lighter skinned black man, but it's clear that he's black. My mom sometimes thought she was Indian, like real India Indian. But um, <laughs> and then they had these two little girls that were fair skin, light eyes, and we'd have bushy thick hair because she ain't know what to do with it. And they looking at us like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> like <laughs> if we were with my mom, we didn't make sense. And if we were with my dad, it was like, did he marry white women? And then you get that <laughs> down south was the worst. Oh, it was the yeah, worst. I'm sure as a kid it was the worst my dad would intentionally want not want to go with my sister and I unless it was with my mom to see that he didn't have children with a white woman mm. yeah it was oh man it was the worst and my sister and I, I mean you could feel it right you could feel the um tension you could feel it I mean we still did stuff but and then we went to Hawaii and, and we went at the end of the summer when we had tans oh they were really confused like what the fuck <laughs> what, what what are y'all doing What's have you all ever heard um oh you're pretty for a dark-skinned woman yeah i heard that from from one of my best friend's cousin 
first first of all he was darker than me and also his mom I mean she's a little lighter than me but I still consider her a, a dark skin or brown skin woman and we were I mean nice guy we were all just shooting the shit having conversations and he said he's like man you are beautiful for a dark skin woman I said what it, it that that like the record player scratched everything else was shut down and now we had to have that conversation so I said what do you mean for a dark-skinned woman like dark-skinned women aren't pretty I said your mama is dark-skinned and and he's like oh no 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 I didn't mean it. and he's from he's from down south from South Carolina mm-hmm. and um and he's like no 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 he's like no I'm just you know I've always dated um really light-skinned women with long hair and you know you know we white you know the look of white and and he's like you know I didn't mean any harm no there are plenty of beautiful um brown skinned women but that's just never been my type you know and I'm and I'm trying to break down like why and we I mean we really really got deep into it and he was willing to talk about it and he didn't he didn't he didn't realize how how ignorant he sounded yeah um and, and, and like real real ignorance like just don't know better yeah, because he really um, thought he was giving you a compliment, right? He As really thought he was to... giving. Yeah, he really did. He That's really how when did. I was dating, I would determine whether to talk to you ever again. If in the first conversation or any conversation, you called me yellow, red bone, high mm-hmm. yellow, like you know, because that was that was common, and a lot of people, especially in my like late teens, early twenties, they didn't see the harm in saying that. You talking yeah. about the. And again, like, you know, light skin was in in the 90s, especially for dudes, which was kind of weird. It was like I was dating my cousins. But anyway, um, <laughs> it was. I was like, I didn't, I want your man parts to be anyway. So, um, but it was that, that was a, a defining. We grow. If they said it, I was like, yeah, I'm never going to talk to them again. And they could have been great dudes and loved the the salty sandy. Hey, on, but it was like no matter these slides. I'm making oh, a lot of hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> but no, that but that was it. No, if they made that comment, which would be the equivalent for me of saying, "Oh, you pretty for a, a brown skin girl or a dark skin girl," it was like, nope, Mm-mm. I couldn't talk to yeah. them. It's like you. You already know right from that comment that your mentality is is no no no. I'll I'll um I'll help to the conversation of busting it wide open and tying into what D was talking about too and exposing my ignorance. I definitely ascribe certain values to light skinned people. Um, I had had thoughts around well, they're probably you know, more concerned about how they look. They're probably using their looks to get certain advantages. Um, They probably don't care about the plight of um, Black people because they can pass. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely ascribed certain values. Like, they're probably going to be in competition. And you guys know, as much as people be like, Linnell, you're so competitive. I usually am competing with myself. So I, but, and I, and so I hate competition because I hate the energy that comes with competition um, mm-hmm. and that people are wishing for somebody to lose, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But I definitely ascribe certain values and equally so to brown skin people, like they're about the cause, you know, they're about 
um, uplifting the black community and and done that you know i've had to be mindful of that and i think part of that came from being brown and you know the interactions i had with folks who were not as um dark as i was and some of the things i saw them caring about right that didn't align with what i cared about without deconstructing that i probably cared about what i cared about because somebody told me that that's what brown skin people are supposed to care about. You know what I mean? Like the role of socialization <laughs> in those ways. What you laughing at, Jay? Just the, the way you worded it. Yeah, so. <laughs> what, you, what you were told to care about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's what socialization is, right? Like they're, yep. they're telling you how to be in society, how to interact with other people in society. And mm -hmm. if you don't know to challenge that, then you carry, that socialization on until you're really willing to break that cycle. That, um, that, yeah, no, the finish your thought, sorry. So, but you know, it has taken more intentionality to break that. And these kind of conversations are helpful for us as a friend group. And I'm hoping that they're helpful for whoever is listening to, to at least take a second and challenge their thoughts about colorism and why they carry on, um, that socialization norm or why they decide to break away from it because it doesn't really have a place but we do have so many values and experiences and reinforcers to even bring us to this conversation as grown as women you know what i mean yeah. like in our four well never mind uh, almost around <laughs> <laughs> you knew i was gonna uh, you knew it was coming right jay i'm just and then, it's a median of 40. and then when we hit that in a couple months when we hit that august uh grown-ass women you know i'm be having everybody sing to you too because i can't sing so it ain't gonna work <laughs> but that's interesting you said that Linnell, because i i didn't base it off of complexion i based it off of socioeconomic status mm. Yeah, I never, I had never, I mean, I, I honestly can say it was never a, this complexion is going to be this way or this complexion is going to be that way. It was always on money. It was on where do you live? How are you dressing? You know, what's your education level? It was all social. So the same things you're saying that were done with complexion, I would have, I was doing that with status, right? Mm -hmm. I mean that I couldn't be cool with someone in a different status but I had preconceived notions of what that individual was going to be like, what their, you know, opinions or, or values or what they were willing and not willing to do would be mm -hmm. upon their status in, in life. So, um, and, and, you know, it, it's interesting how being at the ends, separate ends of the spectrum as far as color, right, and colorisms are, there's so many, there's similarities, but there's differences, right? Like there's similarities in the patterns but for different reasons mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well that's that's interesting i never i never thought about it until hearing that and it's like yeah i never base it on complexion because mm -hmm. i'm adamant to not base anything on complexion because i just got tired of hearing about it and it sounds like it wasn't safe for you once you came out of that right so it wasn't mm -hmm. a safe conversation to always have probably outside of people who were not the same complexion as you because there was relatability and similarities. Um, <clears throat> let's go ahead to the last topic, right? Around protecting mm -hmm. Black women. Um, 
So we had we had the incident on Sunday with Will Smith and Chris Rock. Um and and it, it I think it it went right through the community. And then I was watching Megs had um CNN on in her in her lounge today. Shout her lounge. Mm. Her lounge. <laughs> Where's the lounge? Shout, right. She upstairs. She made that extra bedroom her lounge. It's cute, but oh. I can only go in there with permission. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. I be trying to tell her she can't go into the altar room without permission, but that ain't fair, right? Every time I say it, something happened and the ancestors get on me. I guess she's supposed to be in there. Um, <laughs> but but then I was watching CNN today and and these two women, white women, were talking about it from the perspective of the Oscars. And they were like, there was, no, there was nothing that Chris Rock did that, that um, deserved that kind of assault. And I just had to walk away because my position has been so um, controversial to everybody else's where I'm like, mm, but I want to hear from y'all. What do you all think? I think Yanni actually brought the topic up. And again, she's handling her business today. But what do y'all think about either that incident or protecting Black women or how they all um, align together? So about the incident, I I understand Will's, the, you know, why why he did what he did and how he felt. It, I mean, it also seemed like he may have been on the edge for some other reasons as well. Um, and maybe that just was the straw. Um, or maybe he just saw his wife's face and was like, oh, hell no. Nah. Because the end, they're probably going through who knows what, as relationships do. And this is the um, second so, joke that Chris Rock made about Jada about the Oscars. So it, this wasn't the first incident, but go ahead. Right. Sorry. And, and so also knowing, I mean, Will is also a comedian. And, and so I, I, I felt like, you know, some of it, it was, it had to be a little deeper than, than that. I mean, I'm sure, you know, his wife is going through, you know, her stint with alopecia and, you know, I'm sure she's tired of thinking about it and talking about it, hearing about it, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And like I said, I personally feel like something else might be going on in the background. And he felt like he had to, you know, assert his his position in in her life um, for himself and for his family. Maybe I do think that um, him hitting Chris Rock was a bit extreme. Okay. Um, I, I think I would have been okay with him yelling from his seat, like keep, keep my wife's name out your mouth. Mm. Now they probably would have thought it was a joke. Mm -hmm. Not when he dropped the F-bomb though twice, but I love that I, word. I do too. It tastes so good. <laughs> it feels so good on the lips. Right. Um, but I, I don't think he, I think he was wrong in getting up and hitting him. I get the point. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place with this. Mm -hmm. I, I understand like in the hood, you know, back in Philly, you know, that's that's how we get down. We, you know, we scrapping. You talk about my family, then I got something for you. But I just feel like, you know, a billion dollar will is a bit, I, I think he, he could have handled that differently. I, I wasn't mad at, 
mad with his verbal um, outburst, but walking up and hitting him on national TV was a bit much for me. I, I just think he could have handled that a bit differently. Even, even if he took to social media or whatever, but then he's also Will Smith too. And who gonna check me? What y'all gonna do? I'm still gonna get paid. I have, I have, I have one, all the number one movies. I'm, my, my money's coming regardless. So I do what I want. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just ultimately, I think I appreciate him protecting his wife and ultimately his family but then that also opens up his wife and his family to to more judgment and criticism and you know anything you you're you're kind of in that business and i know they do take a lot of you know shit because mm -hmm. of it um and it's not easy you know we've lost a lot of celebrities and stuff to suicides and you know i i know it's not easy more money more problems right yeah um so, you know, I'm, I'm still I'm still kind of processing that a little bit. I told my family I wanted to talk to talk to them about it, too, over <laughs> next mm -hmm. time we do Sunday dinner. So yeah. that's all I have on the topic right now. So because right. of the Sunday dinner. <laughs> no, but, you know, Janai's family has had dinner together. Janai, tell everybody how you guys had dinner together every night. Yeah, we grew up. Um, we we had dinner every night together like we sat at the table everybody had a turn um setting the table it was you know everybody had a day that they set the table or wash the dishes or whatever it was and I love it. um if if you were home like if you didn't have a practice or a meeting or something then you ate dinner and if you yeah. with the family and that's and we all you know we had a tv in the kitchen and to this day there's still a tv in the kitchen and we you know would watch like jeopardy or um you know what some some show some documentary or something and we would talk about the day talk about the show that's what we all that was like the only time we all had together because everybody was doing their thing moving around just always busy um you know there were times where i hated it but ultimately i love you know i loved it and to this day it it sits with me and it, it resonates um in my life i think it's super important and mm -hmm. um and if you weren't there, the table was still set for you and the food was left in Tupperware. And when you came home, if you felt oh, like eating, you could still eat and the table yeah. was set for you. So you weren't forgotten. So yeah, we, we did that until my sister went to college. It was the same way I grew up like that. Like we ate dinner together mm -hmm. and she went to college. It was like, okay, I'm flying solo. <laughs> Cause by the time she went to school, I was driving and just probably doing the most. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but my dad, you, you, you I've, it's been on my mind. So you saying that reinforces that I have to do something about it because he's been asking me for family night, like family dinner night, just pick a day. You're so busy. You're so this. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's not going to live forever. I need to do this. I need to do this because I don't want something to happen. And then I'm like, that's all he wanted was one. Mm -hmm. So you saying that kind of just reinforces, you know, that whole spirituality thing. It kind of reinforces yeah. <laughs> that okay you need to figure, figure that out maybe it's not it's very, it's very nice because every i mean everybody doesn't have that everybody doesn't even have yeah. you know a, a traditional family you know our friends and yeah. our, our families now today but you know our our blood family everybody doesn't have that and yeah. you know to not take it for granted and to and to actually grow up in a house where there was no drama nope. like i 
I, I don't even, I don't know that life, like not any, not, you know, of course we got in trouble and that kind of thing, but like no drama with the parents the and no, like my, all my dad's family, um, all his brothers and sisters, he was talking about this not too long ago. I'm like, they have never, I, I well, not that I know of, I have never experienced any, any trauma or any, anything like that I, I do not even know that life so That's for me to speak to it would just be would be me and out me being an outsider yeah. um talking about what i what i've seen in other people's families yeah. so you know i i am lucky of course we all we've had our issues and, and that kind of thing um but it, and we all have our traumas and you know things that that upset us and we wish we would have should have could have wish it was different and but i think overall i've been super blessed with the family that you know that that i was born into and the family that i was that i was married you know my my dad married into so yeah. um no, i get it i think we had similar upbringings in that sense except i was not a pk i was probably a dk <laughs> a drug turn cop but um, <laughs> <laughs> but, no but i i get what you're saying um it it does change like my dad is the law like he's the bible he's the law like i could you know normal banter back and forth but if he comes in here i don't care if i tell him no because that's just i have a rebellious spirit i have learned so um if he tells me to do something and i'm like nope i don't want to hear that i'm grown i'm grown i'm grown I'm going to end up, you know, he's like, oh, the season's changing. You should have someone, you know, spray outside the perimeter of the house. And I'm like, no. And sure enough, like a day later, all right, I got to call somebody to do this. So, you know, he's that. But he, you, but I want to back up, hold up to the Jada Will thing, because speaking about my dad is speak, speaking about the whole protecting Black women. I have never, as much as I love my father and he is, the greatest person in the world to me. I have never felt fully protected um, by, by black men. Um, not from my my first husband. So with my with Jordan's father, my first husband, there was consciously, and I say consciously because of course my dad is probably protecting me in many moments, but consciously where that is what I wanted and didn't necessarily get it, even though everything happens for a reason. I'm a true believer of that. So it happened and played out the way it should have. But I remember wanting my, my dad to come in and save the day, right? With um, Jordan's father, because that was an abusive situation. I wanted him to lock me up somewhere and keep me away from it if I couldn't do it myself, right? I wanted mm -hmm. him to be saved. Um, and then obviously with husband number two, I had to save myself, <laughs> but, you know, never feeling saved by him and this because it's not just a physical aspect of somebody hurting you it's also protecting you emotionally and mentally and how you go out into the world and how they act around you in the world so um and it's way too soon or, or i'll say this with current relationship we haven't had any experiences for him to have to want to save me i mean i just i, I did meet the parents so that's the whole thing but um you know but overall i don't know what that feeling of a, a black man came and saved me right mm -hmm. like because i also wasn't raised to need to be saved my dad raised me to save myself so that actually ties into why he didn't 
possibly save me with mm-hmm. my marriage because he raised me to be independent. And to be perfectly honest, he ra- I told him this the other day, you raised me to be all about myself. You know, to you, be all by yourself or about to yourself. About myself. About yourself. And that's that's been helpful at times. It's been hurtful at others, but that's how he raised me. He raised me to be independent and not necessarily need anyone for anything. Um, mm-hmm. and you have many downfalls because we had a conversation about it because my therapist said I should. And I was like, okay, but I love my dad. I don't want him to feel badly about himself. It was like, no, you're grown, it'll be okay. So I was like, all right, cool. And he understood. You know, and as a parent, I understand, right? Because we do what's best. But as far as Will and Jada, if he would have, as someone that wants to know to some extent what that feels like to to be saved or have a a Black man show up like that for a Black woman, the delay is what did it for me, like, really well. It was the, there was a delay where he laughed and then got up. Right. That's and what I heard. That's what I heard. I didn't. I didn't know about that. that so, so here's the here. It's it's double sided. If he wasn't at the Oscars, and this very multi millionaire, you know, rich man in front of the world, like let me take him out of that context, and what would I think about it? Right. You know. So if I take him out of the celebrity limelight, what was the? It was the pause. It was the pause for me that I was like, really? Why are you pause? Like if he would have said it, <laughs> get up and walk, but you, ha, 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 ha. Oh shit, my wife's mad. Okay, let me go do something. Now again, mm, okay. because some people like me, if I'm really, really mad, I tear up. Some people laugh. So he could have been processing, right? He So who knows, right? Who knows what he was going through? But because he's a celebrity, so, so you know, it, it puts it in a different light. To your point, now you, now you have the world looking and celebrities don't get to live by our rules. It's not fair. It's not. But do I mean the cancel culture is real. And I get that he's Will Smith and he's very paid, but cancel culture is a real thing right now with the internet that is undefeated. So, you know, if he wasn't a celebrity, would he have been wrong except for the pause? No, I don't I don't think he would have been wrong. But because he's a celebrity, I was like, and I thought about this before. I was like, you know, part of me wants to say I'm indifferent because I'm just, it didn't. I don't know. Like, is that what I want you to laugh at the joke and then get up and then punch him? Hmm. That, that's so. So I do wonder how how Jada actually feels about it. Like, is she is she kind of on both sides of it? Like, okay, that's my man, but okay, but you know, it was I was irritated, but it wasn't that serious. Like, okay, you know, that's what but that's it, what the joke. Me. The joke Dude. didn't seem. I mean, the joke seemed like. He's a comedian. Do you know yeah. the Oscars? They have said insensitive, disrespectful. Ju- like it's almost like you you kind of expect them to do that. Um, now that doesn't mean that she shouldn't have been, you know, pro- protected. But I also don't know the dynamics of their relationship. So I think that's what also ties into the whole consistency. Is it or boundaries? Are they consistent or dependent upon you know situational where? their relationship may be defined in a way where if she's the aggressor in a relationship and she's the more dominant personality, is that something he's ever really had to do for her, right? Because sometimes when women are dominant, men tend to think they don't need them and they don't need them to show up that way, right? And so case in point, how I was raised, you know, it's 
only until recently where I've had to be a certain level of vulnerability in some situations. And even to this day, husband number two still didn't get the vulnerability he probably could have gotten and he won't, right? Because it got to a point where mm, nobody's going to protect me because of what I learned from my past experience. I'm going to protect myself in deuces. And you can't, it, it's hard to protect yourself and be vulnerable, right? It's hard to be both because how am I vulnerable and protect myself? You almost have to be okay with a certain level of hurt to be vulnerable, right? Because you're open to whatever you get back from the other person and you just have to accept it and process. Um, protecting black has taken on a different meaning now because of how we've had to protect ourselves. So now me protecting myself is, I'm not gonna be vulnerable until I'm in a position to be able to emotionally handle what comes from it. That's how I protect myself, right? It's not that you can't have the conversation, but I have to be ready, right? I can't have the conversation and not be ready. And now I'm all over the place in a hot mess, you know? Um, yeah, I think, I think, um, I, I think I relate to that. You know, my daddy was, um, I do think my daddy rescued me. Um, I think about what I was experiencing as a young person living in the house with my mom. And that was probably the place where I needed the protection from, right? And at some point my dad realized the degree of what was going on in addition to uh, my uh, his girlfriend at the time who I absolutely love and still love. Um, and yes, he did, he, he came in and he saved me, right? Like, I don't know where I would be if my daddy wasn't like, you leaving California and you coming to live with me in Korea and we going to do this by ourselves. And eventually he made the decision to be a single father in the nineties, which was not common. Um, and not that that should be celebrated any differently. Um, it was just uncommon because we don't, we don't celebrate black single moms the way we celebrate black single dads. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a whole patriarchal issue there. But anyways, my dad, he went against the norm in deciding to raise, in raising his daughter independently. He did the right thing. Um, and so he, he was my model for saving me and, and still is, you know, there's still times where, you know, my dad's this big muscular guy and there's times and I'm getting emotional thinking about it, but there's times where I could go to my dad and just lay on his chest and, and know that I am okay. And he doesn't have to say anything and he doesn't have to do anything, but what he's given me in that moment is the strength to go back, right? To go back and figure something out. And so he's always um, protected me in those ways. I do wish that he would have protected me from my mom when younger than than when he did it but I don't think he knew what was going on mm -hmm. so I do appreciate protection I was in a abusive situation um years ago maybe like 16 17 years ago and the way that my kids father showed up for me was very much protective like this this is not gonna have he was not the one who was abusive it was somebody else and um and he showed up for me in a very protective kind of way. And 
really aside from those two incidents who are men that are still primary in my life and will continue to be primary in my life based off of the relationships that we have aside from that i don't think i've ever felt protected by any man and most of my protection as a black woman has come from my friends where, where they're like nah be like nobody's gonna talk to you like that nobody's gonna do that to you and i could be rather defensive myself i am absolutely a protector when it comes to my friend groups um so the even extending this idea of protecting black women maybe it, it doesn't always come from men sometimes mm -hmm. it comes from women sometimes it comes from friends sometimes it comes from family i just don't think it happens enough i don't i still don't think it happens enough where i could label out when i felt protected means that it wasn't a common experience for me it was an exception to the rule right yeah. and so that to me makes me sad that makes me sad that that this is even a conversation when we never hear things like you got to protect the white women because people die you're the most protected pe pe people the most die protected. people die in 2022 people die from looking at a white woman the wrong way people die from looking at a bird they, they could die from looking at a bird in the proximity of a white woman which is what we saw in central park right like where that man could have died like we don't talk about protect asian women because that is just the norm right um and so even the hashtag protect black women and these these things that are coming out of it while it's empowering it's still sad as fuck. like yeah. that we still got to even talk about it so when it comes to my daughter um much like my father raised me to be independent like you like you mentioned nikki and to protect myself and to be aware enough to protect myself I raised Alyssa the same way, but best believe if nobody else in this world is gonna protect her, she know that her mom got her. And, mm -hmm. and that feels good to me, to know that she won't necessarily have the same, she won't have to list out, well, I was protected this day or this day, her whole life has been protected, right? Like, look at my kid and we gonna have a conversation, right? Like, don't, that, unless you one of the aunties, like, don't, this not your place. So, then to bring it back because i we we talking today y'all but to bring <laughs> to bring it back to will and jada and chris rock um my position is that will was not wrong i don't think he was wrong at any point yes i recognize that chris rock had is a comedian and there are limitations to every profession that we have as a therapist i have ethical boundaries i have legal boundaries like there are things that I cannot do, right? In working in the government, there are things you cannot do. As a soldier, there are things you cannot do, right? Like we all have boundaries. And this idea that because he's a comedian means that he gets to um, not live with boundaries is one, is, is one issue for me. The second issue is if Jada was a white woman with cancer, would he have even dared make the same joke? Black people joking on black people, that's the thing, right? Like joning, whatever we call it, right? Like cracking, whatever we call it, it's a thing. But when somebody has a health issue that is affecting them, I don't think it's appropriate to joke, right? Then she's been open about what she's been going through and the implications on her mental health. 
So that's the third reason why I didn't think it was appropriate. The fourth reason is this dude did a whole damn documentary on black hair. His daughter was the one who asked him questions about black women and their hair. And you decided that in that moment, that's the, of all the hundreds of people that's in that audience, that's the one you wanted to focus on? Like the black woman suffering with a hair issue that you have done research and put your own money into? I was just like, th there were four main reasons to me where Chris Rock was wrong. And Will could have slapped him four times for each one, as far as I, <laughs> as far as I was concerned. He could have one, two, three, four, and then, you know, then I'd have been like, I, right, you know, cool. Mm -hmm. So I hate that the emphasis is put on Will as opposed to the emphasis being put on Chris Rock. And Chris Rock should have protected Jada, not necessarily just Will, right? Chris, there were many people in that audience. He didn't have to go for a black woman in that, in that moment. He could have went anywhere else, or if he went, for a black woman, it could have been about something that she also found to be funny or could have laughed at. But we know how we feel about our hair, our edges, our bald spots, when we're thinning. Like that to me, there's just some things that's not is is not funny. And yeah. being a comedian don't give you permission to make fun of something that's not funny. If it was cancer and she was bald because of cancer, we'd all been like, Chris, you a asshole. But because she's black and it's alopecia, we're like, Will was wrong. If she if she was if she was white and it was alopecia, would you would you have been okay with it? No, nope, I wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't be so passionate because you know I'm a little bit more passionate about black people because I don't think that black people get protected yeah. enough in general. So I, I tend to protect those I, who I, have I, been marginalized. Yeah. But I'm no, it still was wrong to me. It was a health issue. Like you can't, you can't joke on somebody's health issue. Like that's like remember when everybody was making fun of Chadwick for losing all of that weight? Come to find uh, out he yeah. had cancer. Like, yeah. come on, man. That's that's not okay. He's over here battling for his life, and we act acting like his body weight is what sh we should be talking about. No, he's a young black man dying of cancer. Why don't we talk about why there's not enough money and resources and research put into cancer? Like, why don't we talk about that? But okay, that, I'm at on that my time, though, no, nobody knew he had cancer, right? No, they just saw him losing weight, but they didn't know. I mean, sure, somebody probably knew, but maybe it wasn't it wasn't out. Yeah, world. I forgot the Ma Rainey movie that he did. They knew then because he, I think he was getting treatment on set and stuff, and he was getting sick. Mm -hmm. That was the last movie he did, and that was, it was a pretty good, pretty good movie too. Um, yeah. yeah, for that one. But I, I'm gonna go back to I'm indifferent. Like I don't, um, and I say I'm indifferent as far as who's right and who's wrong. Where it's like if he wasn't a celebrity, okay, maybe you probably shouldn't have waited as long as smack. <laughs> But remember that it was a joke before that, right? So it's From hard like to when, when he hosted some years ago, right? Yeah, but I'm even talking about in that moment, mm -hmm. you, what we saw were cameras moving, right? So right. in that True. moment, he could have been laughing at the previous joke and it registered when he turned to look at Jada, oh, right? Yeah, because of the camera. And then sometimes you don't know that somebody needs protection until it's a visible sign that they need to at her face and she was like right right like so i give him grace and i don't think that that much time passed i think it happened relatively quickly maybe it was a key key high turn look get up smack the shit right mm -hmm. um and i'm not one promoting violence because before the record but before the recording i did mention 
that there that there are times when you have to defend yourself and you have to defend yours. And if Will was a white man, we wouldn't even be having this damn conversation. And if Jada was a white oh, woman, no, we wouldn't be having not. this conversation. We'd be like, that man crazy as hell and move on. Who's suing who? They just be suing each other. But you know the the Oscars, whatever Academy, whatever it is, is looking into the whole thing now. And they're like, we may, you know, we're gonna punish him. And but again, I'm gonna say this because you now you touch on a point. I wrote a whole research paper on this in um undergrad because I was a comm major on how darker Disney does it, you know, the darker complexions and darker. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm also gonna blame the media because what gets put out there, so. I don't have the social media apps on my phone, but I can see it through like Instagram, through like the internet. Like if I just go to www.instagram, it'll come up and I see stuff and I'm looking at the narrative, right? The narrative of the memes, the posts, the blogs, like the narrative is also to your point, Linnell, pushing towards Will being wrong. It's pushing towards that. So the media has a big role to play in this is what hi B. <laughs> work calls. I have to go. I get it. I figured it was a work call. The media is playing this also you know, with that narrative. So, but the media has had a role to play in every major civil rights movement. You know what I mean? Every major movement, the media has a role to play in it because a lot of times people would speculate with, you know, um, police brutality. That was publicized it was put on TV, so people had to watch it they were forced to be confronted with it otherwise it was like oh, okay i see it but i get to keep moving i get to ignore it but you're forced it's pushed in your face and it creates a narrative it creates a storyline which sometimes doesn't work in our favor because to your point Linnell, nobody is talking about in multitudes um he was protecting jada he was protecting him and chris should have done the same as a black woman Nobody's saying that. They're talking about whether Will was wrong. They talk about, well, he wasn't smacking August Alcina. Why would he? They had an open marriage. Why would he smack him? <laughs> That's something he don't care about, right? Well, well, even even if... Uh, so there are parts... I, I don't disagree with, um, with, in, with any of you all. Again, I think it was just the physical part of it for me. Um, yeah. I think he, I think he, he should have said what he said. I don't know that he should have gotten up and and smacked him. Now, to comment on you saying, you know, people saying something about why didn't you smack August Alcina or whatever. That was then though. We we always hope we we don't let people change or we don't let people grow. So maybe he did want to smack August Alcina because maybe maybe it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. It also seemed like, you know, he was doing that for Jada. It was this when I gave something that he actually wanted, but who knows, right? Who really knows? And maybe um, he did smack him and it wasn't on international yeah, TV. Yeah, it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't on international TV. But also, maybe he wasn't thinking in that way then. Maybe he just, maybe he was hurt. And maybe, you know, he, he couldn't process it it's a in that way. It's a combination of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But my, my, my point, my point is just that, you know, who cares what you didn't do before? <laughs> today yeah. this is how I feel. And it's what happened because of different conversations and stuff that me and my wife had. And, you know, she's in a vulnerable space and which which puts me in a vulnerable space. And, you know, again, we don't we don't know what they're going through, uh, you know, otherwise that that could have led him to do what he did. 
but how many arguments do you have that are intense or heated that are always because of that trigger alone? Like how many really intense, emotional, high emotion arguments do we have at this stage in life that are just because of that moment and not something else that has either built up to that moment or is is opened up because of the trigger of that moment like once yeah. you reach a certain stage in life and you have these experiences i could easily see if he reacted that way because of a buildup who knows what was going on what what the day-to-day -day is in their relationship like who mm -hmm. she could have she could have said you you never stick up for me that <laughs> or she could have had a conversation with him at home and been like man we go on front stage on these Oscars. I hope don't nobody talk about my bald head because I'm coming out here to support you because you my man and you mm -hmm. out here making this good movie and you celebrating Richard Williams and his daughters. And I'm going to stand by you because you mine, right? And I'm going to stand by you because it's going to draw more attention if I don't. But I'm feeling real insecure in this moment. And I just right. hope that nobody says anything about me because I boycotted 2016 Oscars and it was a whole thing. And now I'm yeah. coming up here. I just hope nobody says anything. And he's yeah. like, okay, baby, I got you. Like we, again, to the point, we don't know what happened behind the scenes. And yes, we know what happened in public and in Black people are like, whenever we take a step forward, we always taking two steps back. And I'm like, what kind of bullshit is that? Like, that's actually not yeah, the I don't case. Feel that way. And why do we always hold ourselves to those kind of standards? At what point do we get to just be regular, right? Like, at what point do we just let that be two men having an issue, right? Because one man said something he shouldn't have said. White men kill people. Or I just, I'm going to keep going back to the fact that white women, anything happened to a white woman, and, and everything shuts the fuck down. Something happened to a black woman, we making excuses, we're deflecting, we're making it about this, we're making it. No, all of that is wrong. The woman says she's not doing well, emotionally and physically, leave her fuck alone. That's that's my whole position. And I ain't even had no white Ziffindale, straight T. That's where I'm at. And you, and you think, and so you think, do you think he needed to prove that point and he needed to do it in front of everybody or do you hell think yeah that because the embarrassment was in front of everybody the issue was in front of everybody you have an issue in front of everybody and then we handling this behind the scenes no you handle it right now in this moment i don't give a care about nothing else like yeah. and what they gonna I mean, do i get it like, i get it i don't i don't know if that would have been me I, I i i definitely feel like i would have there would have been an outburst like the, the comment, I would have said something if, if you know, if it hit me, if it hit but me that would have been like that would have been perceived as wrong too, Jay. Anything Will would have done in that moment would have been perceived as wrong. If he would have just oh, yeah. said, keep my wife. But then name you don't go to jail mouth. though. You don't, you don't possibly go to jail. I mean, Will Smith ain't, Will going, to jail, Smith ain't going to jail. I don't think so either, but who knows? But please, Chris Rock, not even pressing charges. Like, well, I, I know he. I know he's not because they're also friends. I think, or or they cool enough to not press charges. You know, I'm sure they're gonna have. There's a conversation that was had afterwards. I'm I'm pretty sure. Now I don't know if anything will ever be the same, but I I can imagine that um, Chris Rock probably tried to plead his case. You know, like oh you you know I didn't mean any harm, and I'm sure I, I hope that Chris Rock did some sort of apologizing you know to the to that family for you know i don't think he he didn't intend to hurt um her feelings and so i'm, I'm sure he tried to make that 
you know, known. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm certain of it too. You know, I guess it just continues. It, it um, is a conversation that we get to, you know, continue to have. I think about Deuce and Alyssa and the ways that Deuce shows up for Alyssa. She never, she also doesn't have to question whether her brother has her back, right? Um, when well, he it, damn sure was carrying those drinks at that, um, at that Howard homecoming. And that's that's before he had his growth spurt. <laughs> he was like, I'm gonna carry all these drinks for my for my ladies. Oh <laughs> you know Side how he, sorry y'all. I had you know to, how I had he to bring some light. It was getting heated. It was right. Dude, you know how dudes feel about his. I'd be like, okay, because you know he don't really like people. So when he likes somebody, he 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 down, he gonna he gonna take care of them. We've been on here for about an hour, over an hour and a half. I'm sure whomever has been listening consistently been like, okay, y'all just talking. But you know what? I loved our grown-ass women today because it was so um, intentional. Our other ones have been intentional too. But these ones, we had like three main heavy topics that we wanted to like kind of cover, whether it was um, religion or spirituality and love and life or whether it was colorism and our own personal experiences and what it means to us are ending on protecting black women and i'm glad that we are a friend group and we can protect each other and hold each other accountable and do what we have to do um to show up in this world that won't always protect us as at least their safety in you know friend groups Real quick, going back to those who are listening and had questions around the colorism conversation, there's three books that I've that I've read in recent months. Um, Raceless, um, the book by Elaine Weltenworth, that's the second book, and The Personal Librarian, um, who is the book is written about the personal librarian to JP Morgan, who created J.P. Morgan's library, which has, it's a phenomenal book. Um, and in order to create, and J.P. Morgan's library ended up getting donated to New York. So it is now part of the New York um, City Public Library System, which we know is one of the most uh, renowned library systems in the world. Um, and part of it is because of J.P. Morgan's contribution after his death. And she was a black woman who was passing. She could only do the work that she was able to do because people thought she was white. And subsequently she was never able to get married or have children because of the risk that her children would give away her race by coming out and being dark. Um, Raceless was about a woman who, um, who looked black, but both her parents were white. Uh, her mom, they're in Europe, and again, both her parents look white, and she's browner than everybody else in her community and not sure why, and come to find out her mother had um, an affair with a Black man shortly after she was married, and neither parent ever addressed the fact that she was black. So even her father never addressed the fact that she wasn't biologically his. So what it meant to grow up without racial um, anchors. So she never knew how to be black, but the world treated her as she was black. And so that was another phenomenal book. And then Elaine Weltenworth, who was the editor of Teen Vogue and pushed Teen Vogue to start having conversations about race. And she's the one who 
um, changed the face of um, beauty for teenagers through her advocacy work and her intentionality around who was showing up on covers and who was making those shoots. So going back to the colorism conversation, so anybody who's interested in exploring more about colorism in the Black communities, those are three books that were phenomenal. All three can be found um, at Target too, not that we are sponsored by Target, but they should sponsor us, but just saying what those are. Um, so I think maybe we should wrap it up because we've been talking and um, maybe our throats are a little dry. No? Okay. <laughs> I'm with water. I'm with water. Mm -hmm. But I want, you know, for you guys to end up saying whatever it is that you want to say, and then we could wrap up. Any last thoughts or comments or questions or things we should talk about next time? I mean, we got a group chat, so we'll figure it out anyway, but... <laughs> But what's good, y'all? Um, well, I missed a large portion because we're called. Got to be an adult. It's unfortunate sometimes. <laughs> you just talked about, and I've heard you talk about this book before in the, the librarian. Yeah. And for some reason, when you talked about how she couldn't have, she did not have children, because uh, you know the race would be evident or could be evident once she had those children. The, the word legacy and what that means kind of dropped in my, my spirit, if you will, we were talking about spiritual stuff and, and how we look at our legacy and what is your legacy? Is this your children? Is, your, is it your body of work you leave on earth? Um, so that's maybe something we could explore another time. Yeah, yeah. That's been powerful too, as I've been thinking about um, because we're get yeah, we could talk about that because we're in our forties now and there's so much conversation amongst our age group about women and motherhood and women who are mothers uh, or women who are not mothers by choice. And then women who are not mothers by circumstance and all of that. Right. And how do you pass legacy on and it's so relevant again because we're in our 40s and now people are telling us that there's no more time. I mean, I don't have a uterus, so I ain't having no more kids. But uh, <laughs> but uh, what does that mean? We def Let's do that. Let's do that, D. Absolutely. Yeah. Jay and Nick, y'all got anything closing? Are y'all just good to go? And we we just ending? What are we doing? I'm good to go. <laughs> okay we good to go all right so for people listening to us thank you again for hanging out with these grown-ass women and i hope you came and saw us on video too because we cute baby it is friday and we cute let me, let me, give, it, let me give it all to them Ooh. 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 from the neck up but but <laughs> Birthday, I, all right. I have somewhere to go. Okay. Oh, yeah, good girl. Shit, you don't good. want me to stand up because my jeans don't match my shirt. <laughs> Nan, Nan, Nan. <laughs> so thank you for joining us and these grown as women. And again, a shout out to our own D, who has a birthday coming up just next week. Um, and super excited about it. So let's. Let's do this again, I guess, in a few minutes when we get on our group chat. But for everybody else, let's do this again. <laughs>
uh, in the next couple of months as well. Happy spring. And uh, you all, you grown ass women, y'all know I love y'all. Yeah. So that's it for us. Bye. 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 Bye.